Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hey there, Josh. How's it going? I'm very good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm all right. It's October, which means it's spooky Ooh. season. Is that why the pounds drop so hard? I, th- I, think, I think so, yeah. I think it's going to rebound sharpish after Halloween. I have yeah. to imagine that's what's happening. Just in time for the festive Christmas season. Yeah. Well, I mean, one man who could stand to benefit from the absolutely shocking value of the pound is John Self. Hello there. Hello there. And I'm glad I was on mute when uh, Josh made that joke about the pound. Because before recording, I was making all the jokes about the pound. But Josh, your joke was better than mine. Good job. Oh, well, appreciate it. You got any pla- You got any imminent trips planned over here to take advantage of our crumbling economy? I have no plans scheduled, but but your theme parks close up, what, in the next week or so? Uh, they go through to Halloween these days, um, and then a couple oh. of them, yeah, because they, they jumped on the Halloween Horror Nights bandwagon with their Fright Nights and that sort of thing. Um, and then a couple of them reopened just for the Christmas festive period to do some Christmassy things and then shut again. Speaking of Halloween, well, that is uh, that is what we're here to talk about today. We've got John on special because, of course... Halloween is big when it comes to Florida's theme parks, and we're delighted to say that John has been on the ground experiencing them for himself. And today, I'm delighted to first ask him to talk a little bit about SeaWorld. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Uh, we're going to talk about Universal's Halloween Horror Nights today. Uh, ten mazes, as ever, scare zones, food. There's a ton of stuff going on. I believe we had you on this time last year, John, to talk about Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. Which I, I believe we did. I believe I was sitting in my hotel in Aventura. We were trying to get the internet to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that, that was like a big comeback, right? Because the year before would yes. have been COVID year. Correct. You know, we're, again, fully back to normal uh, for this year, uh, so long as Hurricane Ian doesn't have anything to say about it. And yep. yeah, you've been out there seeing seeing what it's all about. Just sort of broad level take. How does it compare to last year's Horror Nights, which was your first, right? If I remember correctly, last year last year was technically my first. I did the Diet HHN. That's what I call it from the uh, oh, the year before. Yeah, um, I would say this year things were things were pretty much back to normal. I mean, I know the old school veterans who've been to who have to tell me how many times they've been to Halloween Horror Nights and how many go every night and blah, blah, blah. They're like, well, we don't like this and we don't like that. Having said that, from editing blogs for years, I think this year there are a few potential duds to be able to look at it, but all in all, everything was back to normal. Obviously for me, the food, they've expanded the food to, to almost Epcot Food Festival level. I mean, they probably have 75, 80 items that you can purchase for food for Halloween Horror Nights this year. I would say that, that this year they did really well. My veteran friends would say that this year was better than last year. Interesting. I I, I seem to remember you thought fairly positively of the mazes last year, but I, I guess maybe that was because it was your first full-on Halloween Horror Nights, right? First time's always the best. I, I did have a higher opinion than a lot of other people, but I enjoyed the intellectual properties a lot more last year. With Beetlejuice right. and Haunting Hill House. Yeah, yeah. So this year is very this year is very low on the intellectual properties. We could go into the they're true, but I will say the alleged rumors of why intellectual properties didn't happen at Universal Orlando 
because this year there are only technically four intellectual property houses. Normally there's five. And some right. people would argue that many of the intellectual property houses are not really intellectual property houses, but technically they are. And, 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 and what's, I, the, what's the rumor for why they had to cut back this year? Well, first, uh, let's go from the simple things. There were no Netflix related houses this year. Mm. So stating it from a positive side, you know, <laughs> Universal does have to pay for these things. And at some point, there's a price you just won't pay. There was also a lot of drama with with some of the IPs that they were partnering with, with HBO Max and other groups, like, for instance, uh, The Evil Dead and going or whatever the new version is going to be, where they were going to release that this year, but now it's going to be next year. And so that may have pushed that IP out of the main house as you enter into the park that got right. replaced by original, which... I think I did write this for Pirates and Princesses when I because I did an unmasking tour, which is where you get to go through some of the houses during the daytime and get to yeah. see all see most of the things and take photos of what they allow you to take photos of. I'm not familiar with Evil Dead in the modern version, but many of people who uh, who've been through that walkthrough said, "Yeah, this would be the apartment setup, and this would be the complex, and this would be the apocalyptic event where they kind of rework the house for what they call Hellblock Horror." It looks like they had a plan B for that house, similar to the famous purge replacing the screen screen house from 25. I think where literally right. they made that change about a couple of weeks before the event started. Oh well, I, I mm-hmm. guess Universal might argue that they've got a couple houses here right this year that kind of almost have multiple intellectual properties involved in one. So they've got that house of Bloom House, which has the black. It has phone. two different houses. And something else in there, right? What, what's the other uh, thing? Freak, Freaky Friday, the Vince Vaughn oh, um, yeah. body, body film, switch movie. That film's pretty good. I remember we saw that at the cinema. And <laughs> yeah, I it's way that. better than I would have ever expected. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Vince Vaughn. This is what people have told me. They said it was good to see Vince Vaughn care in an acting role. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. speaking of uh, horror films that are better than anyone would have expected, that that new film out smile is meant to be really good. I thought maybe that will make a good house next year. Um, I'm going to enjoy this next statement. I have no idea what movie you're even talking about. Oh, uh, really? Oh, look, look up the trailer. No, no it, looks idea. Like, it looks like a great time. But I, I was expecting it every it time. To, yeah. I was expecting up. it to be a great time in an ironic way. And it turns out actually, no, this is genuinely a good film. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it eventually. Anyway, uh, let's get into these houses then. We'll 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 run through them uh, one by one uh, with as much to say about each as you feel they deserve, John. <laughs> we did okay. rattle through them a few weeks ago on In the Loop, which you can watch every Tuesday on the Park Rush YouTube channel for your weekly dose of theme park news headlines. Uh, but of course, we had no first-hand experience of them at the time, and now we do. So I'll just go in order of how they're listed on the Universal website, because I'd imagine that speaks volumes about the ones they feel are the kind of headliners here. So we'll start with The weekend, which seems like a slightly left-field choice to me. I, may, maybe I'm alone in that. Uh, what were your expectations for this one, and how was it? Well, here's here's the problem that I experienced, was now that I've moved from being an editor to being someone who has to create create content on a regular basis, 
I had done all the research on the weekend house and we had known the weekend house was coming since February. We didn't expect it to be a super scary house, but we knew what it was going to be based upon. Let me let me sound very spoiled bourgeoisie. My RIP private tour director said that it was going to be the party house. And it kind of was. And I mean, I liked it. It's got a few it's got a few scary scenes, but if you're looking for classic old school horror, you're not you're not going to get it. But if you're familiar with his music and primarily his music videos, I know we've gone away from the genre of music videos. This is where I get to be the old guy and say to you, you know, there used to be this channel called MTV and they played music videos <laughs> all day long. And then, then there was VH1 and they played music videos. On, and it was a whole thing. And we sat and watched music videos all day long. I know the era has passed. No, I, I have I have vague memories of music videos growing up. I, I basically, I watch bring, MTV yeah, but not twenty not twenty four hours a day. I don't know. I watched the Britney Spears toxic video a lot when I was about thirteen. <laughs> okay, I don't mean to put on my clergy role hat here, but <laughs> I think that reflects something else. Okay, um, Look, but I love the lyrics. I, I love right. The I, I'm sure you did, but I really like the Weekend House. I can tell you that the group that I was with that are far more experts at Halloween Horror Nights, they were not a big fan of the, the Weekend House. If you go through it, it's got a few, it's got a few really unique scares, but it's mostly you're into the mind of, the horror mind of, of I can't even think what Alva, his name at the moment, of, of the Weekend. Mr. T. And they set, that scene for you really, they set that scene for you really well. There did seem to be some issues the first couple days in which they didn't have the ability to play all the music in the queue. And so apparently in the queue, they were playing the same three songs the whole time. Brilliant. So that sounds to me like a level in Dante's Inferno to me, but... They weren't using the system from Rip Ride Rocket, were they? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I I didn't experience that problem, but but I thought I thought it was a good house. It was one of them. It clearly is the second most popular house this year. I, I just to speak for the other kind of old people, uh, and, and I mean this in, as in I am a massive old person when it comes to music. I'm really bad at keeping up with it. I don't really know what the trends are to be honest. So the weekend is his whole thing that like every music video he makes is sort of horror themed. Is that like every music Not video really, is trying but, to be thriller. He, well, he does share a lot of characteristics to Michael Jackson, so your thought process yeah. is good. He is trying to be a little scarier, um, and his music reflects that. And and he's willing to run the stick out and do the whole thing. Everything's with it. But you've got, I mean, you can see this in his music videos. You've got plastic surgeons that are doing serious work on people and changing them and. It's it's kind of like his twisted mind that you're inside of. Yeah, he right. um, they was it the 2021 Super Bowl was the weekend did the halftime show and it had similar vibes then as well. You do walk through a semi mirror section in that house that is similar to him and that scene you he's become that's become meme worthy from the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, everything's a meme. Everything's a meme. Anyway, uh, let's move on then. Halloween. Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. How is how is this one? Is this is this is this classic Halloween or is this is this, this more is, modern despite Halloween? All the, despite all the rumors and all the sourcing and all the things they told us leading up to this, this is the 1978 Halloween. This is the house that is the most popular, has the longest queues every night. 
the best way to present this is you're walking through the movie, the literal 1978 movie, and you're you're going through the scenes in the movie, and periodically Michael will turn towards the people walking through the house as they're like they're interrupting the movie, like he's he's because you know that's what Michael does he kills a lot of people. So he's killing this one or he's doing that one or he's got the evidence of this or he's ghost Michael or whatever he is. There's a little bit of parts where he will turn towards the people walking through and come towards them as if they're interrupting his kill. And it's a nice oh, okay. touch. Yeah. Now I assume he is a, he's a full on scare actor, not like a, a robot man. Almost all the time he is a scare actor. They have a few other scenes Oh. And shameless plug that you can find on my article about, you know, a look inside the Halloween horse. Cause I got to walk through this one during the daylight also. And so we walked us through all the scenes and all the distractions and all the ways they tricked us into going the way we wanted to go. But this house and the weekend house conclude with something that universal is really good at the mirror and mannequin trick where you have mannequins and mirrors to confuse the guests towards the end. Nice. But then there are actual scare actual scare actors doing the very same thing that will jump out at you at just the right time. And the scares do work, even though you know it's coming. I think those are often the best scares, to be fair. The ones where you're fully braced for them and almost hate yourself when they work because you're like, God mm-hmm. damn it, I knew that was coming. And yet still, yep. it got me. Yeah, I know when I... One of the times I went through the Halloween house, uh, we got to we got to the the scene I'm referring to. And this is not a spoiler for HHN veterans. They've done this before with Halloween. This is like the fourth or fifth time they've done that movie or relations to that movie. You got there and you could just see the line backs up every time right before you get into that room because people don't want to go in because they know what's coming. <laughs> so if you if you frequent um, Halloween Horror Nights, they try to they they very much try to keep you moving. And so it's not a, it's not a stop and smell the roses as opposed to maybe some other haunts that happen in Orlando area. Yeah. That was very much me when I played through resident evil in VR, I just stood at the entrance to the house for a good 15 minutes, pretty much refusing to go in. So I can relate. I can relate. That does defeat Uh, the purpose of the VR game, right? A a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. But eventually, you know, the thing that makes you move is I just spent 50 quid on this game. I need to go into this house. Uh, Otherwise, Uh I'm just wasting my time and my money. Uh, Which, you know, basically sums up living in the UK. Anyway. Especially with the current currency rate of the pound. Okay. Uh, Indeed, yes. Two houses in one then, John, for the horrors of Bloom House, I guess it would be fair to say. Right. So you've got, as we said, we've got Freaky and the Black Phone. How, how does this one work? Do you go in the front door and then pick left or right? Or do you go through one and then go through the other? Do you have to do both? Well, how, how does this one work? Histor- in, in recent history, Blum House has been a, con- a common intellectual property at Universal Orlando because there's a direct partnership between Universal Pictures and Blum House. Yeah. This is the third year or the fourth. I want to say third year. Purge comes from that. There's lots of different Happy Death Day came from that. This year, and please insert whatever joke you want to insert because they are excellent. This year, um, significant portions of the queue 
for Fast and Furious are used <laughs> to get you to get you to the Blumhouse house. And and ironically, no better way to Blum- get people scared than tricking mm-hmm. them into thinking they might be going on Fast and the Furious. Am I right? I I, I agree. Like it's still- I was I was no! so tired. I got so tired of going through that house in preparation with Xavier of Universal Food Blog because he wanted to know how the queue was being done. And so we had to keep going through that attraction. Oh, um, get away from me, giant dog. Yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of a low level of hell. And I think I can say that based on my Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, yeah. yeah. But but they did something really well. There's usually they you go directly from one house to the other one because usually they do two movies together. Um, and they kind of mix them, and it doesn't always work. Blumhouse historically are not great houses at HHN. I would, I can say this with confidence: this was the best Blumhouse house ever at HHN. But that's not a huge compliment. This Blumhouse house is the best Blumhouse house that Blumhouse ever did a Blumhouse. And I trust me, you know how many times I have typed something like that, and the and the <laughs> editor kicked back. Um, what are you doing? I'm like, I have to call it what it is. Sorry. But they yeah. did a good this year. This year, there's a very clear break between the movies. You start in the Freaky Friday movie. I don't, I don't think that, that section is great, but it's not bad. And then there's an obvious break where there's a section in the Fast and Furious queue where you literally stop. You see a little, you see a, a photo of a black phone that tells you you're you're literally moving into a new area. And then you go into the black phone house. Black phone house is creepy. Nathan Hawk movie is creepy, quite frankly. I thought the black phone portion of the house was really good, but I don't mm. think that movie can pull off an entire house. So having Freaky Friday is kind of like your your opening act, I think worked really well. The the yeah. main plus of the of the Blumhouse house, yeah, it's so hard to say, is one night one night for HHN, it was raining as it tends to do in Florida this time that time of year. And so this year, because of the rearranged and the way the house was set up, they used um, Richter's Burger and Shea Alcatraz as um, a stay and scream area. And I went because it was raining. I used Richter's Burger as my stay and scream because it's indoors, of course. And they have freestyle machines, which is all I really need. So the house you get dumped into first is the Blumhouse house. So, I mean, I cruised through that house the first time. But I thought overall it was a good house. It was a nice addition, but it's not a, oh, I've got to come to HHN to go to this house. Wow. House prices in this country right now, John, I'll take any house I can get, quite <laughs> frankly. But I, I mean, I did not love the black phone when I saw it, but I do think the Ethan Hawke segments were were the best sequences in that film. Every time the film strayed away from that, I was waiting for it to get back to that. It felt a bit like three I, or four short stories in, in one that had been kind of awkwardly assembled into a somewhat disjointed feature film. I think I might disagree, but I don't think you're far off, far off the field on that one. Yeah, I, I wonder if, like, much in the same way that two and a half hours of Michael Bay's Transformers is just about the worst thing on <laughs> earth. I mean, but t- twelve or so minutes of it, if that is is okay, actually, maybe right. a, a, you know, while the Black Phone as a film can't sustain itself, at least it didn't for me. A a focused, more streamlined take on it as a, as a horror house experience perhaps perhaps lends itself better to what they were trying to do with that film and there's a damn the, creepy the only mask. Pro- uh, i can't deny yeah that. the only problem is the phone because there are several rooms with the black phone in them if you don't know the backstory of the movie that doesn't make any mm. sense at all <laughs> 
No, you're right. Any creepy children or ch- or distressed children, perhaps? Um, we had some distressed children. We had, um, I think I think this has been published, the inside view of that house that I published on Pirates and Princesses. I know I turned it in a while back. I don't know if it's published yet. But there, there were, we were allowed to take photos of a particular scene where a mask is being, or someone in a mask is being attacked by a creepy child. Yes, just to be clear to the listeners who maybe haven't seen the film, when I said were there any creepy, creepy children or distressed children, I meant as part of the attraction, not, <laughs> not who had queued up Sorry, to see that. Cowering house. in the corner. Right. <laughs> yeah. The short version of the movie is you have someone who pretends to be a magician who kidnaps children. The house does a good job of making it clear that lots of children are missing. And so if you have issues, as my wife does, because I made sure she didn't go through this house with children being abducted or killed or any of those kind of things, this is not the house for you. Once you know that basic premise, there's that standard basement scene with the mattress and you see that several different times. That's good to know. Good to know. I mean, I'd like to think everyone has a problem with child abduction, but I get what you meant. That is fair. And uh, well, let's move on to the fourth house. Then is this also a bit of a crossover? The Wolfman versus Dracula versus the Mummy, uh, and, and these, yep. I presume, are, are the classic takes on these characters. There's no Imhotep up in here. No, this is this. The Mummy is Karis, so it's the classic version. This is the prime house. That's the excellent example of my criticism of the event. My main criticism of the event is. The houses lay out incredible stories this year, the original houses and the intellectual property houses. However, the houses don't take enough time to set up the story. And so many people going through it don't even know what's going on. I mean, the backstory of this house is incredible of the mummy and the wolf, the mummy, Wolfman and Dracula are fighting over the amulet of Ra because whoever controls it can deal with their um, their defect. like. Wolfman could stop um, turning into a wolfman. Dracula could walk during the day. Mummy could function clearly, but he's kind of the protector in this. So they're fighting for it. And the key things that occur, and this is not really a spoiler because it's common knowledge out there. Similar to the HHN Icon house last year, at the end of this house, there's a scene where one of the three of them wins. They're usually holding the head of one of the other losers at the end. But this is really a mummy house. There is a gigantic set set up based on Egypt. If you look up in the right place with forced perspective, you're inside a pyramid. Um, Early on, the wolfman turns into the wolfman and kills everyone around, which is the standard plot in the classic wolfman is he can't be around anyone. And then we see the mummy being beckoned to protect the amulet. And in the early days of this house, Or Count Dracula, who backstory, an important backstory, he's the one who tells tells Wolfman about the amulet so that he will do he will do his dirty work and get rid of the mummy. And then Dracula can swoop in and steal the amulet for himself. Dracula early on made hardly any appearances. People who went through the first week, they said they saw Dracula one time. That may not seem like a big deal, but this is the largest or the longest house that Universal Orlando has ever created. So he's like he's like and Kylo only, Ren on on Rise of the Resistance. Uh, he's Kylo Ren on C mode in Rise of Resistance. Yes, <laughs> they did fix that when I walked through. Not my RIP tour. One, another day we went through. I think I saw Dracula five or six times. So they fixed some of that. One of the, 
I guess, a criticism I did not experience is the first week of HHN, they seemed to be short-staffed. There were lots of places where there should have been scare actors and there weren't. Uh, I, yes. I, did not ex- I did not experience that. Right. I mean, it would make sense, right? Because, I mean, one of the very striking things, as I've spoken about a few times on the podcast, and I know Josh's parents spoke about it as well when they were on a couple of weeks ago, the staff shortages in Florida are very obvious when you're there, whether you're in restaurants or hotels or theme parks. Huh? I think, to be fair, in the theme parks, unless you're at Bush Gardens and SeaWorld, but at Disney Universal, the staff shortages were not as obvious as they were basically everywhere else. But it would make sense that that they start to be a little more noticeable at the parks and, and that, yeah, maybe the Horror Nights yep. su- are suffering a little bit as a result of that. I mean, but, and I know from my last trip, what was like a couple weeks ago, you could see staff shortages at Publix and Walmart and places not like Publix. that. Not Publix. Yes. Not Publix. God. Yes. The worst thing about me giving up meat and poultry is that I can't, I couldn't this year have any of, don't get me wrong, I'm sure quite average, but undeniably enjoyable and very easy to get hold of Publix fried chicken. So... Yeah, the idea of that I'm experience not a fr- being compromised. I'm not a fried chicken fan, but public chicken is pretty good. It's pretty good, right? Like, you know, 20 yeah. years of having Publix fried chicken on the first night in Florida, you know, picking up some essentials on the way to the house from the airport. Publix yep. fried chicken was always kind of day zero, day of arrival dinner, you know. Remember that 20, that's, that's what years. I will be doing when your listeners are hearing this podcast. That's what I will be doing. It's probably no, bringing in the public to pick up some stuff. No, I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. Same. You should be. Yeah, you you could probably buy me a Publix dinner, ship it out here, and make me pay for the FedEx shipping, and it would probably cost me less than a meal deal from Sainsbury's at this point. <laughs> Don't make me test that out. <laughs> well, despite your reservations about some of the, the, the Universal Monsters maze, I mean, a good time to be a Mummy fan, I suppose, right? Given that it's, it's, he's got a starring yep. role in this, and, and the, the ride is, of course, back now, which is fantastic news. So, Well, it's, it's back in technical rehearsals. It's still not officially open. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it would it would say it all right if that was the only ride that flooded as a, as a result yeah, exactly. of, the, of the hurricane. They get in there tomorrow morning. Oh, Jesus! My, my friends who I went with, they felt Universal Monsters House was one of their favorite houses. That's good to hear. I mean, it's good to see them do justice to the classic monsters, especially given that everyone, of course, paying attention is looking forward to their presence at Epic Universe. So uh, moving on to the next Halloween Horror Nights house, uh, we've got Spirits of the Coven. Uh, most people have felt this is one of the weaker houses this year. And I think it's because they don't do a good job telling the story. Right. A running uh, theme, it seems like. Yes. I don't think they do a good job telling the story. The sets are well done. I know this is going to sound very, it's going to sound borderline misogynistic, but my, my female companions agreed with me on this, so it makes me feel a little better. They were not <laughs> quite enough cute young witches at the beginning of the house <laughs> to set up to set up the theme of their luring men to their doom. Like a like a siren and, call sort of thing. Yes. You're, swi- you're swiping left on those witches is what I'm hearing. I didn't say that. Well, I'm a married man, so obviously I don't swipe at all. But my my point is, there weren't enough of them. What they're doing is the witches apparently run an entire business where they 
kill men, um, drain them of all their precious resources and ship them out to all the other witches throughout the area. There's a whole shipment method. We got to see all that. There's all these kind of things they got to do. And they turn men into spirits that are used to help the witches empower themselves. So there's a whole incredible backstory here that you just don't see. Well, that's that's a shame because I think, you know, when you haven't got IP to rely on uh, to to engage huh? people and to kind of elevate an experience like this, you do have to, I think it, you rely even more on good storytelling, right? To give people a reason right. to care and about I, what it is that they're doing. The story, the story, if you go through enough times or you have someone explain it to you or you do the research ahead of time, the story is excellent. Um, there's elements and props in there that are just incredible. And the, they went to great detail to create spells in which men are doomed to this and blah, 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 blah. And, but the average guest is not going to see it. They're going to miss it. And this house seems very long because of that. It's like yeah, a Marvel movie, movie where, where you watch it and you're like, oh, that wasn't very good. And then your friend is like, are you kidding me? All you do, all you have to do is yeah. watch these seven other seven other Disney shows and read this comic, yes. and then you'll realize just how good it really is. And you tell them, you leave me alone. So <laughs> it's a shame that that sort of approach to uh, uh, creativity production has has got into the Halloween Horror Nights experience. Well, well it's really as, good if you the, listen to our podcast and right read off well, six comic books. Remind remind me to get to their podcast when we get to a we get to a um a certain dead man's peer here in a minute. Yeah, I was really disappointed in that, but that's a different conversation. The problem is they would say is we only have four to five minutes to tell you the story. And then I would respond with as someone who on a regular basis has to take 20 minutes to explain an incredibly complicated theological issue, I get that. But you know what you do? You take the extra time to make sure you convey the information to the people the way they can get it. If you if they can't get it, it doesn't matter how great you've done it. OK, what else you want to talk about next? So I'll stop preaching. <laughs> We've got Bugs Eaten Alive, which I mean, based purely on the title of, of these seems like it is potentially the corniest of the lot, the kind of most B-movie-esque of all the mazes here. Would that be? Would that be an accurate assessment? That would be 100% correct. Ah. Uh, However, oh, this is Universal Orlando. So the running phrase of something must go wrong is the theme of this house. Basically, you're going back to the 1950s. You need to be 1950s in the United States, where, how do I say this with all due respect, <laughs> speaking to a British audience, the United States was not quite as involved in the World War II as your country was. And no, we so, saved the world. We saved the world from a great evil and have been dining off it ever since. Okay. So now, now I will not give you the respect you deserve. Um, <laughs> let's just say that the economy in the United States after World War II was great. And so there was a trend to buy stuff, do stuff. And so the plot of this is this whole showroom you're going through where they're going to have this heating and cooling system that are installed in your house. And it's also so great that will kill all the bugs and pests in your house, all with this one system. Remember, this is 1950s. So you have the standard 1950s spokeswoman intro. Things go wrong. Things fall apart. And so these little bugs that are everywhere, 
they become large 1950s, 1960s B movies bugs. However, they are scary because of what they do and all these kind of things. My my criticism was Universal hyped this up as the house. We wanted to make it so creepy that people wouldn't want to finish it. It doesn't accomplish that. Is it gross? And if you really have an issue with bugs, you shouldn't go in here. And as many people pointed out, this is Florida. There are probably lots of real bugs in here, too. <laughs> um, so that's just the way it is. I, I, I mean, for me, I think the bug house is probably I really haven't done the list in my head. The fourth or fifth best house. So it's above average. And I think this yeah. year there, there are some really excellent houses we haven't gotten. So, well, I, I want to say, am I wrong in thinking that this one was here last year? Because I seem to remember trying to pronounce this previously. Maybe it was nope. just on that episode of In the Loop where I butchered the pronunciation of. You want, you, you want me to handle it? Yeah. You're probably referring to Fiestas de Chupacabras. Oh, he's absolutely nailed it. In fairness, I messed up the accent at the last part, but I did okay. Um, Fiesta de Chupacabras apparently is a house that has been in the in the workings. They've had it on the possible originals for like 10 years, and this is the first year they actually did it. Basic plot of Fiesta de Chupacabras is they're using the legend of the Chupacabra, which is similar to, I don't know what the British, I would say Loch Ness Monster, but it's not the same. In the U.S., we would call it Bigfoot or Sasquatch and kills animals mm. and kills people. Yeah, the backstory. We don't have one of those. We have, we know the Sasquatch and you obviously have, the, the Yeti as it's a cousin. As yeah, Asian okay, cousin. there you go. Okay, I was going to say you have your own government. They do that to you on your own, but that's a different discussion. Yeah, I think the closest thing to a Sasquatch in the UK is just Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Big, scary, lumbering, The backstory is, and in this case, the Universal Discovery Universal podcast does a really good job of setting the scene for this. You're going to a village in which they sucker tourists into showing up for this incredible festival so that they can feed oh, so you to a, the chupacabras. A, so it's a theme park. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so they can feed you to the chupacabras so that they don't have to sacrifice themselves to the chupacabras. Like during the unmasking tour, we walked through this and they created all new, no matter what you've read, they created all new puppets, animatronics to be the six chupacabras that all have cute names like Dusty Bottoms and Nero and things like that. But literally some of them didn't get in place until the week before. And they're, they're a bit on the creepy side. And this is probably finishes with the grossest scene ever at a Halloween Horror Nights house. Not scariest, but grossest. So visualize... Visualize the grossness of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Imagine it being left there for 20 years and no one cleaned it up at all. And then they added it to it. That's the grossness of the end of this house. Sounds like something I ate at Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> Jeez. Well, as someone who had, who now with his adjusted schedule has to go review Rainforest Cafe. Thank you for that. Uh, um, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, there's, there's the things you do as a food blogger. But... I thought Fiesta Chupacabra was, was a really well done house. Um, I probably just off the top of my head would make it a third or fourth best house, but a lot of people didn't like it because I, I don't think they engaged with the puppets and the semi animatronics quite as well as they wanted to. Uh, then we come to Hell Block Horror. 
How's this one hold up? Is this this was the weakest Oof. house? Well, oh, fair, fair. But in fairness, back to our earlier discussion, if all the rumors are true to be believed, this is the how this is the original house that replaced sort of at the last minute what might have been an evil dead house. Oh, okay. Last minute homework kind of thing. Yes. And so my criticism of this house, even though I think this is an idea they've had in their mind for a really long time, is you take a lot of villains and monsters from previous HHN houses, some of which I didn't even recognize. And they've been locked up in this interstellar multidimensional prison. Oh, no. Yeah, things go wrong. They escape. They're going to destroy the world. Your mission is to make it to the end of the house and push the power core to destroy them all. Of course, my, my confusion, I wrote this in, in my article, is if we're destroying all of them, don't we die too? <laughs> yes, and thank goodness that's, that means the house is over and you, you don't have to, you don't have <laughs> right. to deal with it anymore. So I do think if this is the weakest house, which is in polling that I did, informal polling of probably 50, 60 people, I would say this is the weakest house. But if this is your weakest house, it's a pretty good HHN. Because yeah. there, were, there were your standard stairs. There were your standard elements. There were standard things. Um, yeah, the plot's weak. But at least in this case, the story is not that complicated. Which, you know, based on what you've said about some of the others is maybe a mm -hmm. blessing in disguise, right? Uh, a storyline right. that is maybe not as interesting, but at least is easier to follow. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, let's not let's not let the people wait any longer for your take on Dead Man's Pier. Winter's Wake. OK, How's first, this? let me just say this. This is the consensus best house this year. This, oh, is, this year, this is the house that is the cold house. Because each year you have to have a cold house. Each year you also have to have a pretty house. This is the pretty house. And you walk through on multiple levels. Um, you have many multiple elements. And this is the one where the creative team decided we're going to hit this one completely out of the park. Sorry, how how cold are we talking here? Like, is it as cold as the, the penguin uh, <laughs> exhibition at SeaWorld? Or, you know... A Publix ice cream aisle. Put it on that scale for me. It depends on where you were in the house because there's also a rain effect. And it depends on whether you were coming in from a torrential rain outside, which we did many times during this trip. Oh. I I would make it. Someone left the freezer doors open at the public freezer section way too long. <laughs> Cold. Right. OK. Pretty, um, pretty nippy then. Hmm. But the Universal does did an incredible job with this house, and you get some of the key elements of the violinist and the lighthouse you can see when you first come in. And as you discover as you walk through the house, you get closer and closer to them as you go through the house. The plot line that was given to us by Discover Universal's podcast is not the plot line of this, of this house. It's very disappointing to think you know what the plot line is and then discover that's not what it is. Brilliant. Hang on. There's only one thing part podcast out here which misinforms viewers, and that's <laughs> us. God damn it. I, I'm aware. I, I'm sorry. Sorry, Universal. I know that you sometimes keep track of me, and when you see my schedule on Twitter, you'll keep track of me more, so I apologize. 
but your official podcast tends to misinform people often. Uh, Mike Aiello, I believe, wrote a short story based upon the plot of this thing, and they read the short story during the the um, podcast and leave the impression that that is the plot. The plot of that podcast is there is a young woman who is a violinist who doesn't want to play the violin anymore. She hears voices telling her to play the violin, and we discover it's the dead men from the Dead Men's Wharf, which was the scare zone from like 2016. This is kind of a callback to that. To that, however, the plot of this house is very different. A ghostly widow is using her violin to call back her ghostly husband who died in in, in a wharf incident, and as he's coming back, he brings a whole bunch of his friends to party, and that's why you what you encounter as you walk through the house. It's not this. It's it's a lovely romantic story now instead of a young woman trying to figure out if she's having a dream about dead men or not. Two yeah, totally sounds, different stories. Sounds positively uplifting. They should put this one in Disney World, I think. They they should actually. Maybe we'll maybe we'll go with the Hatbox Ghost. Um, yeah. But but the this I there is no way for me to describe to you the well done scenery and the well done effects in this house. Any explanation mm. that I would give you would pale in comparison to the real thing. Oh, it doesn't get any better than that in terms of praise. I, I have friends who go through this house every single night. Is it is it so detailed that they sort of spot and, and acknowledge different things every time? Or is it something that they know like the back of their hand by now, like like me on Spider-Man? I know from talking to some of them, they notice new things each time. Mm. But of course, as HHN fans, we do this thing. We're like, hey, that wasn't there this time. Like I went through... Um, Dead Man's Wharf early on in one evening, and the violinist wasn't in her spot, which to me ruins the entire house because there's a ghostly violinist you get to see. And um, without her there, it kind of misses some of the process. But all in all, this this house is what Universal does well, is create a set, create a scene, create a story. And even if you don't know what the story really is, at least you have a story that you can follow. I think easily this is the best house this year. How does uh, how does the Descendants of Destruction compare? Which which really sounds like a pretend PlayStation Two era like bargain bucket uh-huh. video game to me. The Descendants of yes. Destruction out now. You know, uh, I was I, an I Xbox person, but but same basic premise. Descendants of Destruction is. There is a really good story, but I don't think you need to know the story for it. You're entering a New York subway, which is, I think I heard somebody say recently, anytime and there's a giant gorilla subway, and he's terrorizing. Yeah, the anytime city. you go on a New York subway, it's scary. So you don't even need that. This is apparently, if you know your HHN lore, this is before the seeds of Extinction House in the timeline. But the apocalyptic event has happened, as always happens, and people are going underground. And the farther you get into the house, the more mutated people get. And so towards the end, the basic premise is you have your first section where there's sort of light and then there's battery light and then there's almost no light at all. And then the deeper you get into the house, the scarier the mutants get. And I, I think that's a fair assessment, but it's it's what you would expect from an HHN house. There's plenty of scares, plenty of scary scenes, plenty of wonderful costumes. I mean, it's a good house. It's a good, solid, middle-of-the-road house. 
it tended not to have that long of a wait. I know I did it a bunch of times where the wait was maybe 15, 20 minutes. Every Halloween Horror Nights needs some middle-of-the-road houses, right? Um, yep. Middle, Some, middle somebody's got to be in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's my, very much my approach to life. I'm just skating down the middle <laughs> in cruise <laughs> control. I don't want to draw too much attention, nor do I want to fail miserably. I'm quite content to be a five out of ten in every way just like this podcast and yeah. uh I think that's generous uh, about the podcast but. you're probably right you're probably right all right well that's a, a whistle, whistle stop tour through all 10 houses at halloween horror nights in orlando this year thank you very much john there are of course uh scare zones as well live shows there is more to halloween Horror Nights, but I think it would be remiss of us really to waste time on that when John is here and there is also food to discuss. What food, generally well, was... I'm sorry, there's was, food? Yeah, I hear there's food. Something like 80 different dishes. Huh. I don't know where I heard that, but apparently that's the case. Yeah, Sounds like apparently. Epcot Food Festival on steroids. Uh, what were some of your highlights, John, on the food front? And what was the general standard? Food this year, of course, you have the return of pizza fries. Even though I don't know why we have pizza fries, but we do. <laughs> pizza tots are better than pizza fries. You, of course, have twisted taters because these have become standard things. You have the return this year because it is Florida of fried food. You got to have the fried um, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is known as the no chance in hell fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich in reference to uh, one of the icons chants from last year. You get fried Twinkies and fried Oreos because why not? Oh, John, one, one, I was that, yes. I was literally going to say uh, last night I had maybe the most Florida-ish food thing, food item that I've had since I left Florida earlier in the year, and that was a deep-fried Oreo. You had this willingly? I did. I thought it was horrible. I'll never <laughs> have it again. In fairness, the deep-fried Oreos at Universal are not bad. Uh, one of the cool things that they started last year at HHN that they've continued this year and expanded is the houses are the food tents are themed to houses at HHN. Oh, like that's you cool. can get at the monsters themed house that's near the classic monsters house. Sorry, the monsters themed tent near the monsters themed house. You mm. can buy a garlic Philly cheese steak. And steak is in print. It's in print oh. is in quotations. S T A K E for steak. Obviously, with a reference to Dracula. By the way, it is really good. I know I've submitted a review of it somewhere. Mm. It is really good, and it's you know garlic and it's got a wooden steak through it. And some of those are just easy. You just do them anyway. Um, there's a Chucky themed themed food tent where you get to buy a Good Guys Burger because I don't know in the UK, but Chucky season two on sci-fi and USA network here is coming out. So they're promoting that the good guys burger is a weird combination of dessert and a burger at the same time. It's a donut burger with red icing, cheddar cheese, not, yeah, cheddar cheese and fruit. Oh, loops on top. Sorry. What? Sorry. No, no, no. Just to clarify, if you eat it as a donut burger and you eat it, together you don't do the food blogger thing and and eat it separately it works really really well there's a want to play beignet which is hot nashville chicken kind of inside this breaded dish it doesn't work quite as well 
Uh, there's the chili Lee Ray, which is a, it's a vegan chili. It's really, really good. I think it was 750 US. One of the themes of the food this year is evidence that one of the key chefs has come over from Universal Shanghai that reflects more Korean and Asian food. We had Korean style corn dogs. One of them in particular is known as the maggot cheese corn dog because they use rice and other things to make a corn dog look like it's covered in maggots. Right. Yeah, it tasted good, shockingly. They took, if those of your HHN fans, they took an old recurring original theme of meats, meats, which is a gross concept of basically taking human flesh and serving it to people. They created four dishes um, there. You can you can purchase fresh ground princess if you want to, which is oh. basically a a raspberry um, crispy puff, a crispy treat. It's more complicated than that, but it's it's wrapped in. It's wrapped in cellophane and that white paper you put meat on, and, and it works well. You can also purchase spoiled angry bear meat, which I would tell you to avoid because it's like marshmallow, hot Cheetos. It wasn't very good. Um, you can also purchase fried zombie brains made out of fried cauliflower, by the way. Some of these combinations are uh-huh. they are questionable. I, I don't know. I mean, well, I. The two the two I gave you before the fried zombie brains, I, I agree they're questionable. There's a reason there are reviews that have set my queue and they've not been finished. Uh, they're quite uh, questionable. Um, the fried zombie brains are actually quite good with the goju jang sauce, fried cauliflower, clearly from an Asian thought process. They're the chicken version for the carnivores also. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that does. That sounds pretty decent. Yeah, um, but, I mean, ge- you know, generally I've had my eyes open to sweet and savory combination uh, combinations over the years. Yeah, there was a time when even the concept of pancakes and bacon sounded crazy. So you know, I'm a convert to an extent, but like, so I mean, so you need to try burgers. the peppers. I know Josh likes donut burgers, but oh, yeah. also getting icing and Fruit Loops involved when there's also cheese. I mean, what? That just sounds grim. Maybe, Tom, you need to have some of the petrified rat tails. That's I'm a- pretty sure that's where COVID came from. Right. It could be, actually. <laughs> petrified rat tails are Florida-style funnel fries. So if you're familiar with U.S. funnel cake type things, they cut it into mm. fries, kind of that sweet. And then they take the crab dip from the – It's I suspect this is the very same crab dip they use for the Creole crab beignets during Mardi Gras. And they put it on top of it, and there's a little bit of sweet chili sauce on top of it. If you get it when it's warm, it's really good. But if that thing cools down at all, you'll wish you were eating petrified rat tails. <laughs> um, let me think what else. They have a couple of – there's like haunted horseshoe, which is common here because I live in Illinois. A horseshoe is a type of open-faced sandwich on top of Texas toast. Oh, I do um, like Texas toast. Uh, I'm trying to think what else they uh, there's an ice cream sandwich that's more Asian style flavor ice cream. So probably something you will get when you finally make it over to, you know, Nintendo at Universal Japan. Mm, yeah. Any any good drinks? Well, you are asking the wrong person. Oh, any good any good looking drinks? I heard that several of them were really good. But no one was like, oh, this is great, because the standard statement about HHN drinks is they're 
their fruity, sugary alcohol drinks. You know, if that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing. And they do a good job with that. There was a lot less. That's not true. There seemed to be less of the pre-mixed drinks this year because Universal is famous for the pre-mixed drinks. And a pre-mixed drink can take taste wonderful or it can taste like it's a pre-mixed drink. But all in all, my my friends who who believe that consuming alcohol during HHN is a sport, they thought the the beverage choices this year were quite good. So the booze the boozers thought they were good. I guess that's that's all you really need mm-hmm. to know. High praise. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, my my two questions were going to be: one, do Voodoo Donut do they get involved? Are there any special edition Horror Night Voodoo Donuts this year? Yes. Um, and they've caused great grief in my life <laughs> because because Universal is notorious for their menus not being up to date online. And so there was supposed to be a Chucky Donut, which is it was a pretty standard generic donut, but with the Chucky symbol on top. It was supposed to come out in September. Now it's not coming out till October. Probably one of their best creations uh, is the Trail Mix-A-Lot Donut. And so it's got peanut butter, chocolate, pretzels, M&Ms. It was really good. They also have a cauldron donut, which I was warned not to have <laughs> because it contains lots of black dye. Not that it isn't a good donut. It's a fairly reasonable donut, filled donut, but it's designed with a cauldron, but there's lots of black dye in it. So if you'd like your teeth and your mouth and your hands to all have black dye and for you to remember a day or so later that you had a lot of black dye when you go to visit, you know, the restroom. If you want to avoid that, that's not the donut for you. You got to kind of know that as you're going in that it's going to be a lot of black dye. But let's be fair. This is Halloween. If you're going to dye anything black, if you're not doing it, then when are you? Well, indeed, yes. Uh, My other question was, did the croissant moon cookie uh, get any use? Was that reinvented in any way for any of these Halloween creations? Oh, let me enjoy this for a second, Tom. Yeah. As I've spoken to food and beverage at Universal and told them that I have been informed by many UK visitors that that cookie is the quintessential example of what a cookie should be. They know not to change it. Oh, fair, fair. Yeah. Um, no, Bus Up Moon, did, Bus Up Moon, San Francisco Pastry, Pastry Company and Today Cafe did get involved with a lot of. A lot of Horror Nights treats also. Um, but they were the standard things that Universal does well. They have this cake pattern they use that's really good this year. It kind of tastes like a Reese's peanut butter cup, which is to me wonderful. Um, they have an, a mousse with a spider web on top, a mousse cake with a spider web on top of it. Pastries and coconuts that I'm not a fan of coconut, so I got to avoid. They made their little pop tart. They made a coffin pop tart with apple and caramel inside of it. That was really good. Universal, it's still not to the level of Big Brother over at Lake Buena Vista, but Universal has really stepped up their game on food and is still most of the time keeping the food prices for the same quality below um, Big Brother at Lake Buena Vista. Well, I'm glad that the cookie is, uh, that they know how much the cookie means to people here in the UK and that it will continue to be. Which means the next time. The next time you come, it'll be $7 US. So that'll be <laughs> 14 pounds in the currency exchange rate. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a pretty thorough, I would say, look at the main attractions for Halloween Horror Nights this year. All the mazes, plenty of the food, as I said. 
Uh, there are scare zones and live shows and merchandise and, and other things there too. So uh, we'll leave some of that on the uh, on the cutting room floor. We don't want to spoil everything. And also we don't want to be here for six or seven hours. At least <laughs> I don't. I can't speak for everyone, I suppose. But, uh, I, I, you know, we, we gave SeaWorld short shrift earlier, which was maybe a little harsh of me. Uh, I mean, do you very briefly want to say anything at all about SeaWorld's Halloween offering, John, given that you did check it out? Um, this year. Um, all I right, that's get enough. Thank by... you very much. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Park Rush podcast. We will be back next week when we will be talking about Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party. So please join us for that in the week there'll be stuff going up on the youtube channel as well including in the loop our weekly thing part news show thanks very much to john for being with us as ever take it easy and stay safe out there goodbye <laughs>